Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to another episode of the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. I'm at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host here on Trench Talk. He is Jordan Watkins at Big 75. Fella, Jordan, tough, tough game, tough post game uh, on Sunday. Uh, how you doing with a little bit of time? Has has it helped or or hurt uh, your 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 feelings your your mindset uh, with more time since that uh, debacle on Sunday? Oh man, uh, I mean, not as mad, but there are some things that have come out that again, I know we we talked a lot yesterday of uh, you know things starting at the top and just seeing the coaching job that Kevin O'Connell did. Uh, just some of the, like I said, some of the details that were coming out about what was going on on the sideline and this communication he was having with uh, Josh Dobbs. Oh my goodness, it, that that didn't help. And for the record, this is not a Vikings. I know it's purple. This is Morris Brown. You know, HBCU <laughs> in Atlanta. So let's not let's not go crazy there either. Uh, but yeah, this is just shocking still about how this all transpired. Yeah, one of the most bizarre games and and honestly like if i was watching it as a neutral fan it would have been a very entertaining game uh so i don't want to take that away and i honestly love josh dobbs so it's really nothing against him it's painful uh for me but you know this is one of those games now that the falcons are gonna have forever following them uh the josh dobbs coming off the street with no practice and whooping you game um Mm -hmm. just another highlight reel that we're on the other end of but we're used to that so it's it's not as painful as could be for some fan bases probably but uh yeah, guys, we're going to get into it some more. Um, you know, I, we've got more takes for you, more more time to think, more time to simmer on some of these issues that the Falcons showed in that Week 9 loss to the Vikings uh, and sort of talk about where we go from here. Um, obviously, we'll talk about the trenches too, but probably more of a meta show because uh, we didn't do a two-hour post-game show covering a lot of the details <laughs> on Sunday. So yeah. um, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into all that. Before we take off, want to bring you guys a quick word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. Folks, the last of the major port, pro, sports, wow, pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Betonline.ag remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. You can get the NFL, college football, UFC, and NBA in full swing, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your wagering news, odds, trends, and prediction. You can get all that hoops betting action along with the NFL and college football all the way through the Super Bowl and college football playoff at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. So what are you waiting for, guys? Head to the Bet Online website today. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Jordan. Well, there's a lot we could get to. I mean, I, I think to me, the, the the theme of the episode is just inability to finish on both sides. And it's, it's mm-hmm. sad that we're talking about inability to finish because actually the defense did finish a lot. They got four sacks, which is I think their third highest total of the season. And or ties their second highest total of the season. Um, you know, they they were getting sacks at a very high rate in this game, but it was it was the story of like the ones they didn't get. That was the difference in the game because they should have had two, three, four more sacks where the quarterback's in the grasp and, and it doesn't come to fruition. And then on the offensive side, the defense does its part. It gets two turnovers in prime scoring position. It gets a safety. And what does the offense do? Three field goals. So 
were just two field goals, I think. Uh, not even three field goals off of that, when that should be at least one touchdown. And that would have been the difference in the game, too. So it's really an inability to finish on both sides. And it's not like this is the first time it's happened. This was just the most obvious sort of game where they both kind of came to a head at once. Um, so so where do you want to go first, the defense or the offense in this one? Ooh. Uh, man, I, I mean, I guess we can start with the defense. Um, and the reason why I say that is because Look, it's like you. I think you hit the nail on the head talking about being able to finish. Um, because yes, you did get the four sacks, but again, we're sitting here and we we talked about the blatant um, situations where you could have and should have had more. Uh, you know, I think that people will look at Minnesota's rushing yard total from this game and be like, "Man, they ran all over them," which is a little misleading because sixty-six of those yards came from Josh Dobbs scrambling. Uh, so. When you look at it, and again, you think about, well, why was he scrambling? Because you miss on some easy opportunities to get some sacks. I mean, we've seen, you know, even out just the trenches, we've seen plenty of examples throughout the weeks of free blitzers coming off the edge. You know, this week, I think it was D offered and not being able to, to finish that play. Uh, but Dupree, that that, fi- that final drive, you know, there's he had a great pass rush move, a little hezzy, I don't believe uh, Quest and Barry and dipped his shoulder, got around the edge. You have a chance to get Dobbs down before he makes that big scramble. Doesn't happen. Um, you know, obviously there were a couple of missed tackles. Again, missed tackles popped up on tape a lot yesterday. I think more the most that I've seen in any game so far this year. So again, talking about finishing and, and ending play. So it, it's one of those things where again, and this is but this is the standard that the defense has set for themselves. Good isn't good enough, right? So Obviously, in the situations where they needed to be better, they weren't. So that that takes away from what could have been a much better performance. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I, I don't, again, it's like the defense we, we know has earned the benefit of the doubt. And I think this was by far their worst game. Um, but, like, even so, it shouldn't have been this bad because, you know, the offense, again, screws over the defense in this one, turning the ball over on consecutive plays. Uh, when, when that should have been the opportunity for the Falcons to basically take control of that game and put it away, instead, they give the Vikings 11 points on back-to-back plays, essentially, um, on offense when, when the offense should be finishing, right? They're, they're actually putting their opponent back in the game and that's the story. But at the end of the game, the defense still has an opportunity to win this game. And like we said, they don't do it. So it's, it's sad to see. And, and, and this defense is just so frustrating because it, you, you look at them down to down and they're playing great football. It's like, oh, wow, they're shutting down the run. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. We saw so many terrific pass breakups in this one. You know, uh, Jeff Akuda had a great game. We saw Jesse Bates have a great game. Like, the coverage is tight. It's great. And then it'll be missed sacks, huge scrambles, mm-hmm. and coverage busts. And th- and that's, that's the only time Minnesota moved the ball in the entire game. So it's like you watch... If you just picked like 85% of the plays out of a hat, you'd be like, oh, wow, the Falcons defense shut the Vikings down. But guess what? The other 15% count just as much. And those were the ones where the defense did not finish. They came up short, and that was the difference in the game. Absolutely. I mean, again, you look at Minnesota scoring drives, and this is what is frustrating. If you look at some of Minnesota scoring drives compared to ours, right? <laughs> um, like, for example, we start off the game. Uh, five plays, 34 yards. That's when we got a 52-yard field goal. Um, great. And then they go nine plays for 74 yards. They get that field goal. That's when Jaron Hall obviously got hit um, out of the game. Hope he's doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they 
Josh Dobbs had two two minute drives on us. Um, or actually one was a four because they had a 13 play drive for 75 yards. That's when they got the touchdown right before halftime. Um, uh, let's see what else was in here. Six plays for 40 yards. I was out of a turnover. And then again, the final, the the final one, 11 plays, 75 yards, which again, as we talked about, a big part of why you got those 75 yards because you didn't finish plays when you had the opportunity to get the quarterback down. Um, so that's what's unfortunate, but I, I uh, you know, again, going back to the micro with with the trenches again, loved. Uh, shout out Contavious Street. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I tell you what, the we're we're talking about Josh Dobbs just coming in and and you know doing what he's got to do. I want to shout out Contavious Street as well. Um, you know, I, he didn't make every single tackle that he had an opportunity to make, but I was very pleased just to see his ability to, to penetrate. I mean. You know, we always talk about setting edges and cutback lanes from a outside defensive end standpoint. He was doing that as like a one tech and or a three in certain plays. So, you know, you can cut off half the half the line of scrimmage from from you know right over the ball. That's something that's really impressive to do. Uh, also, like I said, I don't care what they say on the uh, stat sheet. You got an interception. Um, like I, I, that's not a forced fumble. I, I'm not. I'm not having it. That's an interception. You don't take away my big man picks. I, I don't. I don't allow that. Yeah. yeah. And he's wearing 75, so yeah. that that just counts for double. Um, <laughs> it's perfect. But, it's like no, it's like he knew you were gonna comment it, on that's, the show. That's what it yeah. is. I had to. I had yeah. to. Um, you know, Anyamata doing what he usually does. Seven. I think he had like uh, ten tackles in total. Um, you know, Calais had the big the big safety. Saw him doing his run defense per usual. Uh, I actually saw him. I felt like I saw him drop more a good bit. And sometimes even they had a, a detached tight end, he would go out to try to jam them and then, you know, go into something else there, which was interesting. Again, not the biggest fan of it, but, uh, you know, is it is what it is. Uh, so, yeah, again, yeah. biggest thing for me is just I, I just wish we could have finished on some plays a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, it was unfortunate that DeAlford basically had his worst game of the season, too, and then he gets hurt. Yeah. Mike Hughes has to come and ends up giving up, you know, a pivotal play as well. Um, you know, it. I definitely want to give a shout-out to Contavious Street as well. I mean, I, I don't think anyone was expecting him to play as many snaps as he did. He came in and played 47 snaps, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is out of 75 potential snaps. So, I mean, he yeah, came in and basically started, so, like – Props to him. He handled it well. PFF, PFF has always hated Street. I've all, I've seen that throughout his <laughs> career. Like he had two and a half sacks last year, and they gave him like a thirty pass rush grade. And it's like um, he didn't play that many snaps, and he has two and a half sacks. He can't be doing everything wrong. But, um, yeah. but they hated his game. They gave him like a fifty nine, which okay, whatever. You know, we we have our issues with PFF, but um, it was nice to see Nate Landman again have a great game. He's not. He's not getting benched. He's not coming off the field no. ever again. Um, Nate, Nate Lamon is a starter. Uh, I think it, that much is obvious at this point. Um, and then David Onyemata obviously has a great game. Pretty much automatic. Uh, it's so nice to to have him here as well. Jesse Bates. I would say this was one of Bates' weaker games, but like he still had a great game. Honestly, like it. it you know, it, and some of these things, like these coverages and things like that, like I know we were debating like whether Richie Grant or Jeff Akuda was responsible for that one busted coverage and things like that. It's, it can be really hard to say. So I, it, I, you know, it does put like PFF and graders like PFF in a bad spot where they're like they have to kind of guess because they have to assign a value to every play. That's like their ethos. They they assign a positive yeah. or negative value to every play. So like I don't want to get on them too much for that, but um, you know, I. Arnold Ibikadi, I thought, had a strong game, even though he only had, like, 20 snaps. Um, 
you know, Taquan Graham, he's really had to step up and Grady Jarrett's mm-hmm. absence. And I, I think he did also have a good day today. So it's nice to see him maybe starting to get a little bit healthier coming off that injury, which I think people forget, like that was not a, a nothing injury. That was a serious injury. Right. It's going to, it was going to take him some time to get back to full strength. Um, so, you know, I, I, it sucks for these guys. I, I hate that it had to end like that in like just the most embarrassing Falcons fashion, because I, I really think this defense is different and I, I still do. Um, and, and again, it's like they've earned our respect and the benefit of the doubt where we can see a couple down games from them and not say like, Oh, this thing is clearly a farce and clearly it's all falling apart. In my opinion, I, I, I'm yeah. not willing no. to, to forget the first seven games where this defense was lights out uh, because of a couple down games here. Um, no, I would, I would hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree. It's just, I think that, and this is what we've talked about the offense plenty of times is that, you know, even in the good games that they've had, there have been certain things that pop up. And so it's not a surprise that that's some of what got the gets them beat if they do have a bad game, right? We talk about a coverage bust. And again, for me, it looked like on that play was cover two. And obviously, if you're in cover two, you're you're cornering, you gotta, gotta get hands on that receiver, try to force him inside, and then that's when the, the safety can come over the top. Jeff didn't put hands on him up front, and you know, then there then there was the whole thing with Richie Grant. So Again, not really sure. I can't confirm that that was covered too, right. but that's what it felt like. But that's something that's shown up on tape before. If you think back to the uh, double move touchdown that DeAndre Hopkins had against uh, when we played against Tennessee, same same scenario. Looks like cover two. You don't get hands on DeAndre at the line, and then of course Richie he bites on it. So it was like even though it wasn't AJ's fault, the play happened. It's just something that was on tape before, yeah. and it happens again. And obviously. You know, we've talked about uh, pressures versus sacks. And again, I, I, to an extent, pressures can be misleading for me. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd rather have pressures than not. Right. But then it becomes a question of, you know, what are the pressures getting you? Yeah. Are you you getting sacks off of them? Are you getting missed throws, um, you know, turnovers, whether it's fumbles or or interceptions? If you're not, then, you know, to an extent, because I mean, you can have a pressure and then Josh Dobbs scrambles for 30 something yards. So right. at that point, it's like, okay, well, you got the pressure, but you didn't get home. And it would be better if you didn't get the pressure at that point. It, it almost feels that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, also at the same time, it was, you know, like even at the end of that game, uh, I know people want to get on Mike Hughes. It's not really a Mike Hughes problem. It's the fact not that you couldn't get to the quarterback. And Josh Dobbs had so much time to find an open receiver, yeah. who, you know, is a former uh, Falcons practice squad legend, Brandon Powell. Um, so again, just to just rub it in even more of all the, the fun little parallels that happened in this game. Right. But, uh, yes, you know, it, like I said, it's just after a while, you know, even when good things happen and, and I'm sure this is something that, that, that defense and that locker room feels too, is like, even when they had the good games and good performances, they're always looking to get better, but you know, here's a situation where some of the things that we've been talking about and have shown up on tape, they come back to bite you. Yeah, exactly, and it's exactly what happened this week. And you know, it the def I think this defense really does prepare super well. So I think they they're they've been at a disadvantage the last couple of weeks because they really can't prepare for Will Levis, who we've never seen before. Yeah. I mean, you can do an extent, and I think they probably could have done a better job thinking like, oh, this guy with the cannon arm is going to throw deep. You know, that probably should have been a little more obvious. But Josh Dobbs, it's like, oh. We didn't even like know he was going to be in the facility until Wednesday when they probably already done all their meetings and, and sort of planning. And now we're sort of translating it to the field. And then like 
And then it's like, oh, we're preparing for Jaron Hall. Okay, now Josh Jobs has entered the game, and he's been here for three days. So what do you even prepare for? Like, I mean, you talk about Kevin O'Connell. He's like, they're drawing up plays in the dirt on the sideline, which, like, pops he, to he those guys. He's learning the <laughs> cadences over on yeah. the sideline. He had to learn the yeah. cadences on the sideline. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and that's the thing. Uh, is people always say sometimes being the, like, that's why everyone loves the backup. You don't plan for the backup. So, you know, again, when everyone's going crazy, like we said, about Taylor Heineke and what he did, last week in that second half. So yeah, because that defense was not preparing for Taylor Heineke all week. They're preparing for Desmond Ritter and what Desmond Ritter likes to do and wants to do. Yeah. Um, exactly. So that, I mean, that's just how it goes. Yeah. It'd be like that. So you, know, you have to be ready, but you know, and it's not going to get probably any easier this week because they're probably playing Kyler Murray in his first game back mm-hmm. too. So, um, you know, we'll see if, if the same thing happens. I, I hope they can get it together, obviously, but um, you know, uh, Again, we're we're in a situation now where uh, we're not we're not talking about going into the bye with a winning record. We're talking about trying to go into the bye with without a losing record. Um, so that's yep. just fantastic. But let's uh, let's transition over to the offensive side, which I think is deserving of a lot more criticism. Um, oh man! And and to me, it comes down to expectations, Jordan. I think you feel the same way. We've talked about it. Like we weren't expecting the defense to be good. We were expecting we were hoping the defense might be average. Like, oh, they've got all these pieces, maybe they sort of gel and we become like instead of 28th, we become 16th. They've sure. clearly surpassed that. And like that's part of why I'm just not going to rag on the defense for giving up a couple of bad games because it's like, well, like this is still like infinitely better than we were expecting. We were expecting these sorts of games every single week and that would still probably be an improvement over what they were last year. So like you know, I, I'm willing to give them a little bit more pass because of the expectations, which was that they might take time to get settled. We're not expecting them to be good right away. They, and they surpassed that. So we give props to the coaching staff and the players for, for beating mm-hmm. expectations. The offense is the opposite. It's, okay, we've got all these pieces. We're, we've got this young quarterback that we allegedly trust. And we've got these these three stars. And we're going to feed these guys. And this is finally the the final form of Arthur Smith's offense we're going to see this take off now that we've got everything we need and it's it is regressed (laughs) bad it is regressed bad from what it was last year the run game is extremely inconsistent they're not utilizing Kyle Pitts at all even with Drake London out of the lineup he got like four targets um Bijan Robinson is like RB2 essentially where he's kind of a bit player so is Kyle Pitts um and again it's like if these were just random players on your team, it's like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're trying to divvy this up, but it's like, you went out and got these guys with premium picks and you don't even mm-hmm. feature them. You don't even sort of try to feature them. They're, they're not even on the field as much as a lot of star players would be much less targeted. So like it, we've got this very bizarre concoction and now we've had a quarterback change and like they did score more points. This was their highest scoring output of the season, 28 points, but they also continue to turn the ball over and screw over the defense and, Again, in in the crunch time and the important situations where they need to get it done, they're not they're they're not finishing. And and whether that's the run blocking, whether that's in the red zone, you know, they're just not getting it done. Um, and they're continuously asking the defense to bail them out. And the defense is starting to not be able to do that. <laughs> like that's why we have a four and five record is because the defense is like we can't just bail you out every single game, which is exactly what they asked them to do once again this week. So. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, and and I mean, look, it's situational. Uh, certain situations can make a make you either a good team or a bad team, right? That that it's really that fine of a line in the NFL. So, for example, sudden change, right? We always talk about sudden change, whether it's right after a turnover. If you're on defense, you got to hold them to three points or nothing, right? So, obviously, in this game, 
I think there was one time where after one turnover, Vikings got a touchdown, and then um, we and then the other time we held them to a field goal. Right. So one of those times you you got that three, three or nothing. So good job for the defense on that on that drive. Also, the other part of it is the red zone. Right. Um, you know, you never want to kick field goals in the red zone. You never want to kick field goals in the red zone. And I believe we made Minnesota kick three field goals in the red zone, which hey, you hold a team to 50 percent. You should win that game. Um, now, that being said, let's look at it on the other side. Um Again, we get the we get two turnovers, and I believe off of those two turnovers, we got um, I know we got the one field goal because obviously that was when we had the ball down by the one. Mm -hmm. And I believe that on another, maybe there was a field goal as well. So, you know, you don't you don't get the job done when you get short field. Um, yeah, I believe that was when we went four plays for negative six yards. Yep. Um and you know, because usually in this, yeah, I've the seen two it field goal drives, the they lost yardage. They lost yardage on both field goals. Exactly, drives. which yep. is incredible. Um, so that being said, you know, and I, I still yearn for the day when we get a turnover, especially from the middle of the field. First play, take a shot. That's the that's the ultimate time to take a shot. I was just watching um Cincinnati, San Francisco uh last week, and the Bengals got a turnover. The first play they did, they took a shot to the end zone, got a touchdown. That is like the ideal time to 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 throw a deep ball. Um, now, if you don't think you have a quarterback that can do it, well, that says something else there. Um, we can get into that too later. But to your point about the run game, you know, one, yes, has the offensive line as a whole kind of regressed this year. Yeah, I, I'd say I'd say so. Um, again, Bergeron's going to take his lumps. He's a, he's a rookie. It's just it's going to happen. Um, but I think what's been the most shocking thing is you remember how unstoppable it felt at times when we ran to the right last year. Yeah. It, it just felt like you could tell people, Hey, we're going to line up. We're running right behind McGarry we're running right behind Lindstrom. There's nothing you can do about it. And it doesn't, it, that hasn't happened much this year. I saw some of it like that last drive. We ran an outside zone, I believe with Tyler Algier. And it was a pretty big run. I was like, that feels like last year when everyone knew we were running the ball because of what we had on the outside. Like you knew we had no choice. Um, and so again, the thing for me though was just like it's like I said, there's just for all this talk that I've seen, I've seen clips and I've seen tape of it of this uh genius run design play caller, right? In terms of Arthur Smith, that's where a lot of people have talked about. It's like he is so great at creating these uh unique run schemes. It looks really vanilla right now to me. Yeah. Now, again, I don't know why that is. Is it because of a Young quarterback, young offensive lineman with Bergeron in there. I don't know what it is, but it's just, like I said, based off the personnel groupings and who's out there, it's so obvious as to what they're running to where, yes, you have regression from the offensive line as a whole, but you're also not helping them out at all. Trying to design up and scheme up what, what is coming. And I think that's one of the things that's been so frustrating. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not surprising in that regard that because of that, the run game has not been what it could be or should be. Um, and so now the question is, like, how do you how do you change that? Because I, I, I don't know right now. It's just shocking to me how vanilla some of these run um, schemes look. Yeah, it, it's just it's so puzzling, like watching their they don't get any push. It's like Bijan's getting hit in the backfield like every other carry. And like he's still somehow averaging four point six yards per carry despite he's taking incredible. losses, despite. But and it's like you see that, and like I, this is nothing against Tyler Algier. I I think Tyler Algier is a perfectly good running back. 
I think he's an ideal, like, number two running back that you know can carry the load if you need to. I think he's a great closer. He has his mm-hmm. he has his uses. I think he's a reliable pass blocker. He's a reliable pass catcher. He's not really a plus. Like, he's not super dynamic, but he's absolutely got good hands. Like, I don't really have any issue with Tyler Algier. This is not a slight at Tyler Algier. You spent the eighth overall pick on Bijan Robinson, and you're using him like mm-hmm. a bit player in your offense. And, like, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about, oh, they're thro- making him run option rounds and do all this crazy shit. And now it's like they don't even target him in the passing game anymore. That That's not what I said. I said just let him get some dump-offs. <laughs> let, him, let him run some wheels. Let, let him run some, like, running back routes and not make him try to decipher an NFL pass offense as a rookie. And now it's like they've removed him from the passing offense entirely, and they're giving more carries to Tyler Algier. And they're... Bijan has one red zone carry the entire season. Bijan has carried the ball one time in the red zone. That, why is he here? Why did you spend this pick? Like, what are you doing? Like, I just, so the frustrating part about it is yeah. you can say that for almost like the right. Last I mean, yeah, three so, first picks that we had. Yeah, we know? can just roll um, out the scroll like SpongeBob with all the grievances here. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like again, it, it's we we saw at least what I what I was again what I was excited about coming off of last year was in those four games looked like there was some rapport with Drake London and yeah. Desmond Ritter. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm excited to see what that looks like this year. Obviously he and Kyle Pitts, Ritter and Pitts would have to take some time since he didn't get to play with them last year. I get that, but he did see Kyle Pitts be a thousand yard receiver um, his first year when Matt Ryan was here. Uh, you know, maybe we didn't see the, the red zone targets and touchdowns that we wanted to, but at least, you know, there was a usage of them. Um, so now it's a question of for all three of those guys, you know, it's 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 what if you were going to do that, because, again, we can go <clears throat> if we wanted to do the revisionist history game, we can obviously look at who was picked right around or right after we got those guys and look at this team and say, yep, that would have been an upgrade. Yeah, we needed someone there. Yeah, we needed someone here. Obviously, I know we talked about Jalen Carter, talked to you about Panay Sewell, you know, Micah Parsons, the list goes on and on and on. Right. Um, about and again, in terms of positions of need so if you're going to get those guys you use them right again i talked about cincinnati um remember when i remember when they got jamar chase and i was like aren't they really good on offense so they need someone to protect (laughs) joe burrow but guess what they use jamar chase he's one of the best receivers in the league so it makes sense it works right um so yeah i that and i think that's what's frustrating me because i agree with you about tyler algier I mean, we saw last year he's a good back, 1,000-yard yeah. rusher in his rookie year. So it wasn't even a thing of, well, we need a dynamic running back. It's, it's like, no, we're fine with what we have, and you can use, you know, get other guys. But if you are going to get them, and here are all the ways that everyone's talked about, the, you know, positionless football and all of that, it's like, it's just not there. So that's when you, again, you ask the questions of why do we do it, yeah. you know? Um, like, I – if you if you draft someone like Jalen Carter, it's like all right, cool. I don't have to worry about his, his use. You put him at the line of scrimmage and you let him wreak havoc from a three technique. Boom. All right, yeah. case closed. Done. Moving on. Um, but yeah, with these guys where you got to get them the ball, you have to get them the ball. You know, yeah. it's it's just that plain and simple. Well, it, yeah, and it, you're absolutely right. And it's just like there's this. I love uh, football guys for fantasy. They've been doing it, their stuff over there for a long time. It's a great, great podcast. A lot of fun. And their their one thing they always say is like, okay, this should be the case if we assume rational coaching. You know, the assumption of rational coaching is, is a big <laughs> buzzword over there. And and Arthur Smith is the one. You know, is a scapegoat. And it's not just for them. It's for everyone. Like everyone in the NFL is coming after Arthur Smith now. And it's like, 
the the warning signs were there in year two of Kyle Pitts, but it was, you know, it was easier to overlook because you've got Marcus Mariota, they're barely throwing the ball, and then Kyle Pitts got hurt. So it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. We saw year one of Kyle Pitts where like he wasn't targeted like insanely high, but he was targeted, I would say at the least at least at the level of like a wide receiver too. And Matt Ryan, under Matt Ryan, he had three hundred yard games. He had, you know, over a thousand yards as a rookie tight end. It was a good season. So there was no concern. Yeah. Year two, you know, it, it's also like we're on track. He's getting a healthy target share, but it's Marcus Mariota. It's kind of questionable, you know, whatever. And then this year, it's like, we're going to use him less. Like, we're actually going to, like, use him even less. And, like, th- these are these are Kyle Pitts targets this year. Week one, three targets. Okay. Week two, five targets. Not good enough. Week three, nine targets. Okay, that's not so bad. I like that. Uh, only catches five of them, but you know that's when he, that was the the Lions Turning game in the and right that direction. whole yeah and that you know week four four targets then in week five we get eleven targets that is the most he's ever been targeted in a game Kyle Pitts has only been targeted more than ten times or or ten times twice in three years and we're, we're gonna get to that then after that great game where Kyle Pitts has seven catches for eighty seven yards is like the engine of the offense is crushing it. Six targets, five targets, five targets, five targets. And this week, there was no Drake London to take targets away. Right, exactly. So it's like, okay, we need you even more. And he's just not targeted. And he's not even on the field. Like, man, like, Kyle Pitts is playing 50%, 57% of the snaps. Like, I mean, I think he's he's barely been on the field for, like, he hasn't even been on the field for 60% of the snaps, I think, on average this year. Maybe, like, just about that. So it's like... And then... Sorry, go ahead, yeah. No, no, I mean, yeah, and, and... for comparison's sake, you know, I, I, I dove into this because we're all getting frustrated, right? Uh, you look at the guy you mentioned, right? Immediately taken after him in the draft, Jamar Chase. Now, there are contextual things there. He is a wide receiver. Sure. He's probably going to get targeted more as a wide receiver. And it's a better offense, and it has been throughout his entire career. So, like, mm-hmm. all that being said, Jamar Chase has been targeted 10 or more times in a game. Eight. 18 times in the same num in roughly the same number of games as Kyle Pitts, where Kyle Pitts has been targeted 10 or more times twice. He's just not a featured player in this offense. And I- I'm sorry, I don't believe Kyle Pitts isn't good. I refuse to believe Kyle Pitts you. isn't good. I refuse. Like, what about what we saw yesterday when he made some great catches and was doing everything basically that he was asked? He was open. Like, and people are like, oh, well, maybe Kyle Pitts just isn't good. No, the coach isn't good because y- you pass on it. And then, like, maybe Justin Fields wouldn't be the quarterback of the future. Maybe that would have gone poorly. I, It's not about who the quarterback was that was available. I mean, it is to some extent. But, like, you pass on a franchise quarterback to take Kyle Pitts. He should be your Jamar Chase. He should be like, okay, this is our, like, pillar of our passing offense. And to some extent, he was in, in his first year. But since then, it's like, oh, yeah, he's out there. Johnu Smith is getting more targets. And I love Johnu Smith. You know me, secret weapon, Johnu Smith. Like, I, I'm his biggest guy, but, like, I just don't understand it. Like, I, I I can't fathom investing this much in a guy like Kyle Pitts and, like, making him less than a wide receiver, too, in your offense. Like, and not even playing him more than six. Can he not? Is he, like, that poorly conditioned or something? Like, I just don't believe well, what, it. What makes it even worse and. You know, I, I get it. I'm, I'm not saying that you, you ever want to get in a situation where eight's on the field, it's going to be a pass play. Eight's off the field to run. I'm not saying that you do that. But what makes this even more frustrating 
is again when we look at the red zone i talked about you know, the falcons i think were one for two one of two in the red zone which again only two red zone trips in a game is is ridiculous that jet sweep play for john new smith like one obviously why but also like you can tell me oh we just try to get to the edge there are so many other ways you can get to the edge than having to get the ball to john new smith i mean i for a while, I was questioning myself. I was like, what relationship is stronger? Um, Arthur Smith and John U. Smith or Lincoln Riley with Alex Grinch? <laughs> well, I got my answer because one got yeah. fired yesterday. Yeah. Um, but who was blocking at your point of attack on that play? It's, you know, Tucker Fisk, shout out Stanford, who for the most has been a practice squad guy. He's playing fullback because Keith Smith is out. Yep. And it's Kyle Pitts trying to block Daniel Hunter who, again, obviously we all wanted him for what he does in a pass game. He's also a pretty solid run defender as well. That's just not a good matchup. But then also, I mean, even when we saw last week, who was the guy who's leading the blocking for John U. Smith while he's trying to pass to Michael Pruitt? It's it's it, You know, it's, it's just one of those things where that's what makes it, even just outside the targets, what makes it even more frustrating is how he he's being used or how he's using him in the run game. Yeah. You know, like, the, I think that's what, just sets it off even more. Um, you know, again, it's like I said yesterday, the biggest thing about coaching is you do what you can to put your, your players in the best position possible to succeed. Having Kyle Pitts trying to block Daniel Hunter as your main guy up front is not doing that. Because it happened again on the Tyler Algier third down run. Um, whereas, you know, I just, the fact that, and I get it, he's he's one of, if not the best tight ends of all time. The fact that you, I don't care, you could tell a whole defense, hey, Patrick Mahomes is throwing 87. They still find a way to get him the ball, right? Constantly. Um, you know, we did it. I mean, when we had Tony G, mm-hmm. it was, we're in the red zone. Guess who's probably going to get the ball? It's going to 88. You still couldn't stop it. Or if it was a big third down, right? Yeah. So the thing for me is, and I'm not trying to put Kyle Pitts in that, you know, pedigree of tight ends or anything like that. My point being is if you have a great player or a really good player, you can still find ways to get them the ball. And right now, for whatever reason, we are not finding a way to get Kyle Pitts the ball. And it's showing to me. Not And not even the fact of, like, this targets. Uh, JT O'Sullivan, when he's done his two Desmond Ritter breakdowns, um, you know, he gets so confused on certain clear routes because it's like, I think that's supposed to be a clear, but he's not really running that, you know, full full on to take the top off the defense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of those were Kyle Pitts, which for me – you know, if you want to talk about the maturity side of it, got you like, yeah, he should run hard, you know, no matter what. I understand that. At the same time, as I understand, I'd understand his side too of being frustrated of, of this offense and how it's being run and how it's being used in it. Because in the Detroit one, you know, it was a miss by Ritter, but we had him, it was like a deep crosser. Mm-hmm. And he outran like the safety. And I believe it was another DB over there. And, and JT was just like, that's a tight end running like that like oh my goodness you know like you couldn't believe it mm-hmm. that, that's what you have at your disposal and remember that was week what week three when it was still obvious of most of the game and most of that season up to that point still not 100 percent, but yes. still mm-hmm. running like that so you know I, like i said i just don't i don't get it i i really don't get it and i know a lot of other people don't and no this isn't fantasy football talk it's if he's supposed to be one of the best players on your team, you, you should get one of the best players of all to help your team win. Yeah. And the, it, the whole fantasy football thing is just a farce. Like, like this is not a fantasy football discussion. This is like a, this is like, why are these players on your team? 
if you're not going to use him. Like, if you just want to throw the ball to Jonu Smith, then why bother drafting Kyle Pitts? If you just need a Jonu Smith, you need sort of a yards after catch tight end. You can get that guy. Like, without, you could get that guy for a seventh round pick, Jordan. You can get that well, guy for a seventh round pick and nine and nine million dollars, but like, that's I how know. much it costs to get Jonu Smith. We spent a fourth overall on, on Kyle Pitts, and we can't get him the ball. And I, I'm sorry, I don't think it's all on the quarterbacks either. Like, I, it's not. Well, we, we, well, I'm glad we got to prove that to yeah. be true this week. Um, the, the thing for me is just again to continue on with your point. It's. I, and maybe Arthur Smith doesn't realize this, but to an extent, fantasy football and real football are pretty pretty correlated, right? Because wh- who do you draft in fantasy football? Guys that you think are really good. Guys that you think they're going to get the ball. They're going to have success. In real football, what do you want to do? Guys, you want to have guys on your team you think are really good. You want you want to get them the ball. You think that they can bring you success. Like So there is there is that somewhat similarity. And I'm not saying that reporters are asking them questions for fantasy because we know they aren't. But again, that is that is the somewhat marriage between the two. You know, fantasy owners, they draft guys who they think are really good and can put up numbers. You want to see guys on your team in real football have the ball in their hands that can be really good and help you put up points. I, I And so that's why I just, me, I know you and so many others are talking about it now. Just that condense, condescending nature. Of, of bringing up fantasy football. I know if you looked at the press conference this week, there wasn't any mention of that. You know, I think there was a, uh, a little self-realization that happened uh, during that game in the bends, but um, it, it, I mean, it, that should have never come up in the first place. Yeah. You know, it's more it, so what I'm saying. It's ridiculous that we're even having this conversation because it should yeah. go without saying that you should be throwing as much as you can at Kyle Pitts. Like, I think it's inexcusable that he doesn't like, it's like he's turned him into a deep threat and and slant guy, and that's it. It's like, okay, you're running deep, Kyle, or you're catching this slant, and that's it. That's Or this, like, intermediate crosser, or that's it. Like, there's no trust for him to run any other routes. Like, you, you're not trying – like, where's the creativity? To get, like, he's just playing in the slot. Like, he's like a big slot for you. Like, that. that's it? Like, that's all you have for him is play big slot? Like, you could get a big slot receiver. You don't have to spend the fourth overall pick <laughs> if that's what you want. Like – it's it's just yeah. before it was like there were there were a couple things where you could point to and be like well you know all these factors are here that's maybe why they're not he's not getting targeted as much or that's maybe why he's not having the success he's been injured he's you know they've got bad quarterbacks they're not throwing the ball a lot this year they're throwing the ball they're throwing the damn ball this year and mm-hmm. they're still not throwing it to Kyle Pitts and that that to me is one of the biggest indictments of Arthur Smith's coaching is like not only are they not throwing it to him but they're not they're not scheming it to him. Like you, you get the ball to your playmakers. So this offense, this should be like Drake London, seven to 10 targets, Kyle Pitts, seven to 10 targets, Bijan, you know, three to five targets and a bunch of carries. And instead it's like the peanut gallery of guys. And like, that's not bad. Like occasionally you need, you need your other guys to step up. Like I think Kaderil Hodge has shown, like he's got something like, Yes. Um, I think Mac Holl- that I think that the loss of Mac Collins in this game was actually huge, and I, we haven't talked about that. Mm-hmm. But when he went out, they had no more physical possession receiver like that, and that's a core player. On the- now, you would think maybe that should be Kyle Pitts now, like maybe make Kyle Pitts your your physical possession receiver because we know he can do it. They didn't do that, obviously. Uh, but you know, they like they want to play this game where they've got their big physical guy on one side and they've got a speedier guy on the other, and then they've got apparently Kyle Pitts in the slot. Uh, and then Jonu Smith apparently is going to be the engine of the offense, but um, it's 
Like, it's like we've gotten so obsessed with having all these, like, personnel packages and, like, oh, we this all needs to look the same and all this that we've, like, forgotten to actually make an offense. It's, like, it's just a bunch of personnel packages with random route combinations and, like, well, we're going to create mismatches with this personnel, but, like, we've forgotten that, like, oh, the more important thing is to actually just have an effective offense. Like, it's it's all well and good to talk about positionless football, but, like, it's like they've made, they've put a question mark over their position and now they're just randomly throwing guys on the field. It's like, that's not positionless football. That's just nonsensical football. That's like, I don't know what I'm doing football. And that's a, that's what's frustrating because the whole point of positionless football is you have no idea what an offense is going to line up in and that gives you your mismatches, right? Like with this team, I could, like I said, if you want to line up in, in 12 personnel, all right, cool. That means I got one running back, whoever it's going to be, Tyler, Cordero, which again, I still don't know exactly what the Joker position is supposed to be. The joke is more so of that, you know, <laughs> we made it this big deal that it's on the depth chart. Complete um, joke. But that yeah. being said, yeah. you know, um, is you, you got, so you can have Bijan out there or Tyler, two tight ends. So we got Janu, we got Kyle Pitts. I don't know if Kyle's going to be in line. Is he going to be lined up outside as an X? Is he going to be split in the slot? The reason why that's so frustrating and stressful is, hey, if you have two inline tight ends, that's usually a, 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 obvious run formation so if you're a defense you're thinking all right i need to have you know maybe i want to have my base defense out there or whatever but if he's out in the slot now who knows if you have a, a man defense you have a linebacker that's gonna be trying to guard kyle pitts out in space that's got to be a win like that's how it's supposed to look right to create those mismatches but right now it like i said it just doesn't look like that at all yeah exactly and it's like so far this year you know we've we've seen you know, Kyle Pitts has played the slot almost entirely or out live. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's like he's played as many snaps out wide as he has in line, which that's not surprising. But then he's like doubled up those in the slot. And it's like, I, I don't know that having him be a slot receiver is like really what like the best way to utilize him. And like, I think he can play the slot, but I'm starting to wonder if they're and, and Caleb McGarry like hinted at this in a way. Several weeks ago, I don't know if you remember his press conference where he was like, "Oh well, there's these plays are so complicated. Like if one thing goes wrong, it all falls apart." And it's like, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. a good thing. That's not a good thing at all. Like, and like if you're having Kyle Pitts have to learn to play three spots on on the line where he's got to learn how to play in line, got to play slot, and got to play out wide at wide receiver, maybe you're not letting these guys actually get good at anything. Like they just they can just line up everywhere, but they're not learning how to actually do anything at a high level. You know, then that was well, the criticism that, with Bijan too. It's like, oh, we're gonna make him yeah. play everywhere and run option routes when he should be learning how to play running back. Like, <laughs> well, and that's and that's again it's, it's, to that extent, it's that's why I was trying to talk about you know those option and choice routes for for Bijan, right? And I mean, even to that extent, it was it's so interesting. And I'm glad you brought back up that Caleb McGarry comment because my question then is, well, was it not like that last year? You know, because if it wasn't, the question then becomes, what or why? Now, is it this year that it's become that complicated and that complex, um, especially when the majority of your offense is still pretty young, right? It's a young quarterback. If you have Ritter out there, it's a young running back, two young running backs, young tight end, young receiver. So if that's the case and it just got more complex from last year, this year, why did that happen? Um, and, you know, that being said, it's like even the things that shouldn't be complex, the simple things they don't do, right? Like I know a lot of people get frustrated. Um, they got frustrated a few weeks ago with Bijan when he was lined out, lined out wide. They're like Bijan, turn your head around faster. 
he's running a route. Like also the blitz wasn't coming from the guy that he was lined up on. He's not the hot read there. Whoever the blitz is coming from, right? It's it's one of those things of if the defense gives you space, you take that space, right? So if they're running a slot blitz, whoever the slot is, that's got to be your hot. But that guy's also not turning his head around, right? That's one of the simpler things that that should be understood. But the Falcons struggle with that. Um, which again, if you're making things so complex and complicated, well, you better make sure that you got the simple things down first. Yeah, exactly. And it's like I I feel like they. Th- they're like, oh, we're gonna make the final form of this offense. We're gonna have all these positionless players, and and it's it's too complicated. Like it's too much for, like you know, Arthur Smith has been alluding that people are running the wrong routes and they're not running the routes correctly and all this. It's like maybe because you have them running too many things. Like you have the play, maybe the playbook's too long. Maybe it's too complex. I don't know. And like nobody ever wants to talk about that because it's like, oh, are you saying the players are dumb? No, but like there's a reasonable expectation for an offense, and offenses can be too complicated. That is not. That is a thing. Mm-hmm. There, there's not really any true. reason. There's not really any reason to have something be overly complicated. In fact, the simpler the better, because the simpler it is, the fewer things can go wrong. And what are we seeing this Falcons offense do more than anything? Little things go wrong that Little derail things. drives. Yes, constantly. And it's like that. That Lindstrom or that McGarry quote is really resonating with me because it's like, wow, this offense actually feels like exactly what he said. Everything is so complicated that if one little thing goes wrong, it all falls apart. And it's been falling apart a lot, Jordan. It's been falling apart a lot. And I'll tell you this much too: we get one more false start at home, I'm going to scream. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm legit going to like I'll, I'm going to get evicted from my apartment. <laughs> I'm going to scream so loud. Noise ordinance. Yeah. There is there is no excuse to have a false start in your own stadium. Absolutely none. And the fact that we got one again. So this is going back to that, that, uh, the, the, the jet sweep drive. You started that drive off at the one yard line. The first thing you do is get a false start. Yeah. Uh, I just, I couldn't believe it. And then it was I the ultimate iron. It. Like the, the next play, they do that actually good screen to Jonu Smith, which maybe that's the Falcons best play where he takes it all the way back to the one, which was equally hilarious. But like, yeah, um, I know. <laughs> and then they promptly do nothing. It's like, oh, well, you got over the turnover. Okay, you got over the penalty. Okay, great. See, and then they promptly, the they promptly do nothing after that, of course. But um, and and again, yeah. it's just so like what 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 I what I'm upset about. And you know, I've I've talked about this a lot. If you've checked out, you know, the Falcon Fate podcast in terms of, I've had there's been a couple of games where I've wanted the Falcons to, I wanted it to be an identity game. And what I meant by that is, okay, what, what is our identity supposed to be? A team that run, is a smash-mouth team, run the ball, but we also have some good players on the outside that we can hurt you with too. You're telling me you have three plays inside, you know, three plays at the two, right? And you can't run the ball there to get that. Like, the thing for me is that, again, that's one of those situations where identity moment. That and that's what I think frustrates me even more. Not even just the fact that it was a bad play, not the fact that it was a poor design play with your two point of attack blockers. It's the fact of you just told everyone and you just let your offensive line know that's not who we are anymore, right? Like, yeah. I mean, everyone knows. So, for example, if I looked at the Eagles, the Eagles have the ball at or inside one yard to go. What are they doing? Everybody push, knows push. it, and they're yeah. saying. Yeah, like everyone knows, and they're telling you, hey, stop it if you can. We know you can't because that's who we are. We're going to be the physical, more strong, the stronger team. You can't stop it. If you're, if you do something like that at the one, though, one, you deflate your offense and also you boost up the defense. 
because they're like that that is admitting and i'm telling you this and i've seen it from the side of you know we've been on defense and teams did that to us back in the stanford days right where you get, you try to do something more gimmicky or whatever but also i've seen it from you know our offense where they don't convert and the play that they use to convert is not what they want to do yada yada things like that it's deflating yeah and yeah like i said i i, I get it chris lindstrom i think he wants to be a bully Bergeron, yes. I mean, we saw how he finishes blocks when, when he's on. He wants to be a bully. Um, you know, Drew is again, I don't I'm not gonna say he's a bully, but I mean, you tell me one yard to go, you can't get behind him or Jake or Caleb McGarry, who you brought back because of his run blocking. You're telling me you can't trust them to say, Hey, I'm handing this ball off, go get a yard. Right. So what so it goes back to again, what is our identity? What is the identity of this team on offense? What's the philosophy, the base philosophy that we're supposed to have? Because if you look around, I don't think anybody truly knows what it is. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's like the the past attempts have been going up every week. Like, let me let me pull it up. But like, I mean, it, it's been a bizarre sort of very bizarre sort of season for the Falcons who just have I mean, it it's just been a weird year overall. I mean, I think we can all see that, but I mean, you mentioned it. Like, what is the identity of this team? I th- I thought this was a team that was going to pass the ball a little bit more, but still be this smash mouth team. They were going to be close to the league lead and carries, and maybe mm-hmm. get closer to fifty fifty this year instead of actually running more run plays than than pass plays. But like now, man, it's it's just so tough to watch to watch this team at this stage because it's. I mean, you look at look at that that last drive where they they get the ball and they have that dominant rushing drive. Like, yeah, the last one, the, the touchdown and, drive, yeah. And it's like, oh, wow, they actually, like, dominated them up front. And they didn't do that the entire game up to that point. Um, and it's just like you're, you're telling me, like, I think that, that, that mindset changes things for the offensive line. They can get into a rhythm Absolutely. running the ball. They're like, oh, we have, we're going to do this. We're going to go out there and crush these guys. Like, we saw them do this time and time again last year where they were just this awesome run blocking team. It's, it didn't even seem to matter that teams knew they were going to run the ball. And it's like they had a couple of, of like, bad games in weeks three and four, and it's like, okay, well, now we have to be a passing team because uh, the, the teams are shutting down the run, so now we have to be a passing team. And instead of fixing the issues with the run game and tweaking things, they're like, nope, we're, we're going to start throwing the ball a lot. And and actually, we're not going to run the ball. Uh, and they've ever since they've just been very middling running the football. Um, and I, you have to wonder if, like you said, is this a a mental thing where it's like, oh, well, the coaching staff no longer has faith in this offensive line to to run the ball. So have they lost faith in themselves? You know, it has the the mental state of the team changed to where like, oh, we we no longer feel like we're this hard nosed rushing team. You know, the the coaching staff no longer trusts us, and like. They're getting pushed around up front in some of these games in ways they never would have been before. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure it all matters. I'm sure it all plays into it. But, like, at this point, we're, we're not... Arthur Smith, the thing he could always hang his hat on, even if you hated his passing concepts, which, understandable, he was scheming up the run. Like, the, the run game yeah. was working great. They were finding ways to run the ball, even with teams prepared for it entirely last year. Pretty much nonstop, they were a great rushing attack. This year, with a better passing game, better quarterback play, better weapons, better running backs, they're not running the ball well. And 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 you, 
you look at these red zone play calls and it's like they don't it's like they don't trust anyone it's like we're gonna have to f- what, what did your what did your teacher always say you know like don't don't put fluff in your essay it's like if you got mm-hmm. a bunch of fluff in your essay that means you don't know what the hell you're talking about this offense right. is all fluff in the red zone it's all fluff it's like so we, we don't have anything real we, we can't just run a counter at the one like we can't just like run a, a, a couple of short crossers in the end zone like the offense looks so bizarre the second they get down inside the 10 and it's like it, it just feels like they don't trust anyone to actually make a play that they have to do all this misdirection to even have a shot to score i've seen i think one jump ball fade type of play to drake london desmond ritter threw it a little too hard right it, was, it had a little bit had a little bit more touch on it and then after that, I was like, okay, well, that didn't work. We're not doing well, it. We're again. done with that. Yep. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I know I keep going back to this game and this drive because it really was beautiful. So again, the Cleveland Browns game last year, Falcons won 23-20 at home. Again, Tyler Algier in that game, 10 carries, 84 yards. Right. Uh Caleb Huntley, 10 for 56 and a touchdown. Cordero, nine for 38 and a touchdown. Marcus threw, he was seven of 19 for 139 yards, one interception. Uh, the reason why I bring that up is because after that interception is when like the most beautiful drive in all of football I have ever seen happen. It was, I'm just telling you, it's 10 plays. Here's what they did. Right. Um, so starting off first and 10, Caleb Huntley for six yards, Caleb Huntley again for five, Huntley for 14, Huntley for nine, Huntley for four, Algier for seven, Algier for 14, Huntley for six, Huntley for five, and then Huntley for five as a touchdown. That is the drive right after an interception where you're saying, all right, I can't trust my quarterback to put this in the air right now. Hey, defense, this is what we're going to do. Good luck stopping it. And again, to your point, uh, now you have Bijan Robinson in, in there as well, where you should have three guys that you can you know continue to th- uh, switch, take turns with, Wear defense down, and like you said, good luck. I mean, good luck trying to tackle any of the three running backs later in the game, because yeah. they're all. I get you know, Bijan is great in space. He can be a physical, hard to bring down yes. guy too. Like he's still a pretty big back. And and again, like I said, that's why it's just frustrating to watch this team this year. Of you could do stuff like that last year. Where is where is that physicality in that attack this year? Because I'm I'm telling you, the offensive line to dream, offensive lineman's dream would to be have a drive like that. Yeah, that is their dream. And the fact that it, you had success doing it, too. Oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, they are. The momentum that they can take from that, I'm t- it just goes that doesn't go just for the end of the game. That goes for weeks on yeah. but at the same time. You have the ball at the one and you only try to do like one tradition. You only have one traditional run play in that in that sequence. And then because you go backwards um, on third down, you don't even try to go for on fourth with a. uh what is it? I think at that point was that um, that was Dobbs. So mm-hmm. at that point, you know, just a guy that just got there for five game, five yeah, five days. Um, you know that, like I said, that's just deflating. Yeah, exactly. And and it's just it's it's a bizarre situation. But I think all all signs point to the coaching now because it's like, well, we've got the pieces you said you needed. We've invested in the offensive line. We have the two quarterbacks you wanted. And you, while well, you insisted that we didn't need to go and get anyone else at quarterback, and and it's not, and it's worse, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, and it's worse. So like, I don't know where else you point the finger. Uh, I think I think we know where to point the finger. So it's time to to figure it out. But, um, yeah, I just 
it's been so frustrating watching Bijan like he doesn't even have a chance on a lot of these runs. No. Um and, I mean, and then you, Tyler doesn't either. Yeah. It's like, I mean, how many losses did they take yesterday running the football? It's like and, and it seems like they've completely taken the run off the books on third down. Like when's the last time we had a third and fourth or shorter and actually ran the ball? I feel like they were doing that well, all the time in twenty twenty two and converting. Well, know? that's the other part of it too, is how many times are you getting those third and shorts, period? Like, right. How many and that's times do you start it. off on yeah. offense and you get a penalty to start off the drive? Or there's a negative play, whether it's a sack, TFL early on, and that just throws you all off schedule. So you're not getting a lot of those third and shorts anymore. Yeah, exactly. So th- that's part of it. But it's like even when they get there, they run yeah. empty. It seems like they run empty all the time on third and fourth or less. It's like, yeah, why? No, 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 don't. <laughs> it's uh, just, <laughs> why? <laughs> like, I could what, go on a 20-minute Wasn't this the entire rant. point? Wasn't this the entire point of all these running backs and making this run game great is to threaten the run and – misdirect the opponent and then you go empty on third down it's like and the thing for me too that i'd like to see more uh and this is more so a ritter thing i mean um uh, heineke can run but ritter is a better runner in my opinion um if they're gonna if you're gonna go empty can i see a draw please like if they're gonna empty the box can i just see a draw like like again because right now I, i just don't think that with the way we scheme up our passing game and again does not we, we should start making a list of here are all the, the notable people that have something to say about this offense and, and spacing and yada, yada, yada. Right. Cause again, like I said, JTL Sullivan's talked about it. Kurt Warner's talked about it. Um, Kurt Bankert has talked about it. Um, you know, and again, those are NFL quarterback guys. Right. So mm-hmm. um, at this point, it's just, again, let's, let's not re- try to reinvent the wheel here. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you don't even, you don't need to get complicated with it. Like, no, it's like, it's like we decided that we needed to dazzle everyone with all these crazy formations and, and stuff when it's like, if you need to do that, maybe that means you just aren't good. <laughs> like that, you know, you look at teams like, like Andy Reid and the chiefs, like, it seems like half the time people are complaining when they run their crazy plays, because it's like, well, it wouldn't it be better to just have Travis Kelsey, like run an intermediate crosser and just stop in the zone and have, you know, Mahomes hit him because that just works all the time. Like, why do we need to do this, like spin around in a circle and then do a play and then get sacked? You know, like, <laughs> and, and even they have their, their flaws too. I mean, yeah, yeah. they almost lost because of this uh, Sunday morning. They get, they don't run the ball in third and short. Yeah. It's almost like they're allergic to it for whatever reason. And especially when you have someone that runs as hard as uh, Pacheco does. And that's a good offensive line. You know, obviously I know that was their problem in the Super Bowl against uh, Tampa, but that's a good old line now. And so I don't understand why they don't run on third and short at times. And I'm saying this for as, as much of a genius as, as Andy Reid is, that is alarming to me, right? And so, again, just pivoting back to the Falcons with that, it's getting into these, you know, obvious run situations. And for whatever reason, whether it's your running back, your offensive line, you not trusting them to get that, that yard here or there, is um that's pretty pretty telling and alarming especially yeah. based off of what you're supposed to be yeah exactly it's very like this is all very concerning stuff and look i you know i think we've both kind of run out of patience for arthur smith now this was kind of his oh you know mine's been gone I, I know your patience is gone <laughs> i i've you know people might not believe it but i've been pretty patient and i was super excited when he got hired because all the things he was saying i think made perfect sense 
We want to have this hard-nosed physical football team. That's what the Falcons have been missing for years. Okay, love it. They were great in the red zone. They were great on third down. They were super efficient passing the ball in Arthur Smith's two years as coordinator in Tennessee. Not one of those things sounds bad to me. All those things were great. The the play designs were creative. They weren't overly complex. They were relatively simple, but they, they executed at a high level. You know, Ryan Tannehill was playing well, but he, it was clear that he didn't need this elite quarterback to make that offense work. That was also a nice thing. Um, and they also were consistently good. Up behind you. Right. And, it, and <laughs> they were consistently good running the ball. So it's like, okay, you know, he's talking about we're going to meld the scheme to our players. We're going to do all this creative stuff. It's going to be positionless football. And it's like, it just feels disingenuous because they haven't really melded the scheme to their players at all. In fact, they've just tried to stuff all these players that they pursued into this specific system without really changing anything like this offense looks exactly like Tennessee's offense there hasn't been any adjustment whatsoever so like you know and I, I think it's easy for coaches to say like oh yeah we're going to change the scheme for our players and like they haven't done it <laughs> and it's no. not like it's just a Falcons thing but like coaches have big egos and that's the other thing with Arthur Smith is like we talked about on the postgame show like he's become the most unlikable figure in the NFL at this point uh because of how he treats the media and the fantasy community and all these people and it's like this is all starting to stack up to be very problematic, Jordan. Oh, the only saving grace right now from so far has been um, has been the Z's on Pat McAfee every week. I mean, and here and the thing with this too, I thought this was poetic justice, right? Uh, I believe it was Kelly Price, and she works for Fox Five, does an awesome job, you know, with everything with the Falcons and covering them. I think she put this out before the game, but I saw it during the game. Uh, so Liam, you know, Arthur's Arthur's son. He dressed up as his dad for, for Halloween. And so, you know, he's got like a little fake yeah, mustache, yeah. the headset mm-hmm. on, call sheet. And, um, you know, he's like counting down a play clock and he's trying to get ready to call in this play. And he says, give it to Bijan. And, oh, my goodness, it, it couldn't have been worse timing because everyone saw it. And it's just like, really? Liam understands this? Like, what's, you know, it was, yep. it was, um, it was just so bad because like, I think I saw it after that that uh the goal line the when we got the ball at the one and i was just like oh man this is not gonna it was just like the you know how poorly the timing was when desmond ritter's doordash commercial came out it, it was kind of like one of those things of like hey i'm happy for you. you're getting the bag you're getting some money with the ad deal but oh my goodness this could not be worse <laughs> timing not be anywhere. to be out yep. yeah yep exactly yeah it it's brutal timing with that but yeah, uh, I mean, we need to see a lot, a hell of a lot more, uh, and we don't have a lot more time to see it uh, this year. And and you've got you know, one week in my mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we. No, we and, and, about I mean, it. Yeah. like seriously, and I'm not saying that to say to be impatient because I get it. You you still have you know what eight games left? I think seven eight games left this year. But the way it would look, and and again, I'm telling I'm telling y'all right now. I get it. Arizona has one win. They are a better team. Than, than that one win shows. I'm, I'm just telling you. Um, but if you cannot go out and get that win against Arizona, and we're on this losing streak going into the bye week, a lot of questions, there are going to be a lot of questions around here for, t- for two weeks. There's already questions going around now, whether it's in the fan base, um, just the the national you know, analysts and pundits of football. Um, there are a lot of questions going on with this team right now. So you don't you don't get this win and I think also to an extent that that win doesn't look a certain way, right? Like you can't be a 13 to 10 struggle, you know, let, let, it's, I think it's got to be like a 10 plus point win 
for for some of the the rumblings to die down a bit. Um, so yeah, if it doesn't look a certain way and you don't get this win, this this is going to be it's going to be problematic. Yeah, and like you know, I I to start the season, I I know that Arthur Smith's seat was was cold. It was not at all hot. Like that, and probably shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Right? There wasn't really any reason for it to be. Uh, and and I know some people were were really more anti-Arthur Smith and maybe those people will be shown to be right. You know, at this point, it's certainly looking more like that, but things change fast in the NFL. What did Arthur Blank Mm -hmm. say? This is year three of a three-year plan. He didn't say four-year plan. He said three-year plan. And in year three of the three-year plan, the Falcons are four and five. In year one of the three-year plan, they were four and five. In year two of the three-year plan, they were four and five. This is the same ass team. They have not made progress. They've gotten worse from last year. Last year's schedule was a lot harder and that off Mm -hmm. and that team had was had a third of their cap space eaten up by bad contracts. So you've had, you've played an easier schedule with a better roster and you're four and five again, and looking worse in my opinion, except on the defense defense looks better. And, but, and in some situations, the easy schedule has gotten easier. Yeah. If you think about some of the, the, the misses again, the last three weeks, you went against teams that were sitting on G waiting for O to just blow things up and start a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it started again. You think about the commanders, they even said they put it. I mean, and again, they put the rumor out there because they wanted to see if they could get a better offer for Montez Sweat than our third. And congrats, they got one from Chicago. But they told you, hey, we got to see how the game looks this week. Otherwise, we'll make the trade, which meant we're just obviously we kind of want to lose so we can get the contracts out, you know, start all over. Um, Tennessee, before you play them, Kevin Byard, they're, they're great safety. They trade him to Philly. And the reason why they do it is so they can clear up cap space for next year. And they start a rookie quarterback. Um, and then going into this 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 week, again, Ezra Cleveland, who was a really good young guard, the Vikings traded him uh, right before the deadline to Jacksonville. Uh, you know, it's Jaron Hall's going to start. Justin Jefferson's out. Obviously, we know Kirk Cousins and Je- Justin Jefferson are on their last year of their deals. So once that kind once, you know, one's on IR, the other one's out for the year, their mindset is starting to change a bit of what the season's supposed to be and what they want to do. Now, you lost to all three of those teams, you know? Yeah. Um, and like I said, that got easier. Obviously, we don't have to see – probably not going to see Aaron Rodgers later in the year. Uh, you know, like there's just certain things like that where an easy schedule before the year has gotten easier and you haven't taken advantage of it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's comically easy, like the quarterbacks that they've played. Like, And, and yes. they, to their credit, they have two impressive wins. I think that win over Houston is going to look good. That's a good win. Yeah. Um, I think that win over the Bucks was actually a pretty solid win. Um, road road and, division win, absolutely. Yeah. Other than that, I'm not impressed with you beating the Panthers. I'm not impressed with you no. beating the Packers, who look like a dumpster fire. I'm not impressed with you beating any of these other teams. Like, and, and you lost all these bad teams. Bad teams bad. you lost to. The Commanders decided to tank after they kicked your ass. Like, <laughs> like the you know, and and the Titans like we're basically low-key tanking with will levis and trading players away and they came in and whooped you and then the vikings on their third quarterback who hadn't even played came in and whooped you at home so he like, didn't even practice yeah and like practice to be completely fair to to josh dobbs that was like a heroic maybe once in a lifetime oh, that's performance incredible. so Absolutely. like he he deserves a lot of credit for that and that's part of the reason i'm going a little bit easy on the defense because like the man had like a heroic maybe once in a lifetime sort of performance. Um, and like, sometimes your opponent just plays really well. That is a thing. 
you know, there absolutely. is another team on the field and sometimes they just outplay you. And to Josh Dobbs credit, I mean, he absolutely crushed it. I don't think he could have played a better game if he tried. Um, so like, you know, props to Josh Dobbs, but like the Falcons should have won that game by double digits. Like, <laughs> I mean... and, and the thing is like, to your point, right? So they, the, the Vikings put up 31 points. The way that game could look different. Like, yes. The defense shouldn't allow 31 points. I, I get that. But what you do on offense dictates what happens on defense. So, again, some of those threes turn into sixes, right? Like, what Minnesota then has to do is a little bit different. Um, you know, maybe they don't feel like they're in a game going into halftime, which, by the way, I think I saw a stat 11 points is actually the most we've scored in the first half all year. That's correct. Which is, yes. oh, my gosh. It's just for context, <laughs> it's, it's what, two, uh, no, 123, I think, right now over here. Or is it? Yeah, 123 over here on the West Coast on a Monday and just having that, I need a drink already. But um, Make it a double, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> but the the point being is you don't think that you get some touchdowns instead of some of those field goals that the Vikings before that have are saying, you know what, we got a guy that just got here five days ago. Let's not try to force things here and let's just go, let's just go to half, right? You know, maybe maybe that's how that looks. So then they only have three, and we have, who knows, what, 17, 20? And that's what it looks like at halftime. Um, so, again, yes, yeah, still on the defense to get stops, but as we've talked about all year long, the offense has to do – it's not complimentary football right now in Atlanta. Um, and if you were going to tell me that the reason why it was going to be because the defense is so far ahead of what the offense is, I would not have believed you before the year started. But that's that's why it hasn't been complimentary. Yeah. Now the situation, unfortunately, was it was pretty complimentary um, on Sunday. It's just compliment. Both were not good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> both both failed simultaneously. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, again, that's just where, like I said, you know, the defense obviously helps the offense out a lot. The turnovers, getting some three and outs, they bail them out when they they uh, force field goals when the offense turns the ball over. Now you got to see that get rewarded more often. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, the, the keys to the game are on the offensive side. Like, yeah, the defense didn't play their best game, but like the defenses had to carry the load every single week. The The offense coming away with negative yardage on negative yards on the two turnovers the defense caused in scoring position on both of those and getting just field goals. Uh, that was the turning point. Yeah. And then the offense turning it over on back-to-back drives on the first play of said drives, throwing the defense back out there. And that, that led to what? 11 points for the Vikings directly. So yeah, like, and, and it's like, it's, I don't even blame the defense. It's like, you, you just got thrown back out there like on four consecutive drives, essentially, because your offense shit the bed mm-hmm. twice. So like when, when you win up 21 to 13, you immediately threw the game back to your opponent with those mistakes. So like, I mean, I'm sorry. Like I, Arthur Smith, I blame you. <laughs> and, and look, everybody and everyone in Atlanta knows because we live through it. You continuously yep. put your defense back on the field very quickly. Bad things can happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Even I good think we all know exactly what game I'm talking about when I say that. Yep. I, don't, I don't need to, to name it. That's bad enough. things can happen when there. you put. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Bad things can happen when you continuously rush your defense back out on the field. Yeah. We're down bad enough, Jordan, without evoking the game that should not be. Like used. I said, I, I just like, yeah. I was going to say the name of it. I just wanted to leave it there. I, I felt like the description could, yeah, could give it I away think, enough. I think we can put the pieces together here. Boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we definitely have a lot more to cover on this. And hopefully we can get a little bit more positivity 
this week. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. This could be a very dark bye week for many reasons. So we'll, we'll see. Oh, man. Um, you know, I was hoping to hold off on the draft takes until December, but even that seems like maybe <laughs> that was too aggressive. So, um, Jordan, good show. Uh, I think we covered a lot of ground. We, we got more to cover, but we'll, we'll save some of it uh, for hopefully brighter days or darker days, sure. whatever. But guys, appreciate everyone hanging out with us on this. Uh, I think this is a new record for the longest trench talk. So we've clearly got a lot of feelings about this one. But <laughs> guys, uh, thanks to our sponsor today, betonline.ag. Thanks to my co-host Jordan Watkins at Big 75 Fella. Jordan, uh, tell the people where they can find the Falcons Fade podcast and anything else you're working on. Yeah, uh, it's wherever you you uh, get your your podcast from. You know, we're usually on Spotify. Um, I know that's where I always listen to mine. Um, again, we were on. I think it's WM, WDJY um, in a, the Atlanta area from three to four on Mondays doing a recap show. And um, yeah, so those are the main places you can find me. Like I said again, shout out Morris Brown College. Kind of wearing this, just you know, shout out HBCUs in Atlanta. Um, also, you know, my mom went there, my grandma went there. We actually just, uh, lost my grandma, uh, about a, a week ago. So kind of wearing this too, just in her honor, showing love for her as well. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, appreciate all that. Definitely check that out and shout out, uh, to, to the college as well. Uh, I, l- I like the purple too. I'm glad you clarified that it wasn't for the Vikings. I had to make sure. Closet make Vikings sure. fan over here. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no, no. Yes. Thanks to Jordan once again for his contributions today. Uh, great show, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Please like, subscribe on YouTube if you're joining us there. If you listen to the podcast, uh, give us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Folks, I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin, we'll see you again on Wednesday night for the next episode of Falcoholic Live, the last pre-buy uh, show we got uh, before the game and all the game preview stuff gets started. So I'm sure we'll have some some reasonable and very not hot takes on that show. Uh, but <laughs> guys, thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Dirty Birds and Brews. Until then, have a great day, folks. See ya.